Welcome everybody to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading, we're here to talk about them. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who's always at my side, Josue. Hey, and I never kept track before, but I think 25 might be like the new highest number I've read for this for, the, for an episode. Yeah, th- this is definitely the largest collection of comics I've ever purchased in one week. Twenty five. Um, I got my. Tw- I got twenty six, and also, and variants included. But uh, I should have read twenty six, but I actually got to twenty five, and I think that might have been a new high, figuratively yeah. and and literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't bother you on uh, on uh, Tuesday there. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I was just like, oh, he's busy. I'm sure. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well thank you so much for joining us uh as always we're going to go ahead and talk about all the new comics that are coming out um and we're ready to go ahead and get into that but first do we have any news Hostway? anything you can think of off the top of your head um as i've told you uh my mom was okay came up visiting so i was really trying mm-hmm. to be off the grid as as much as i could so i've i've no needs that uh, to worth sharing yeah, I can't think of anything comic-wise that's really big things that have been announced. Uh, I know we have the Hellfire Gala coming up. We were talking mm-hmm. about that. Um, as of, I guess as, as of recording, we're just three hours away from figuring out the finale to Fucky and Balkan. Fucky so and Balkan, hell is, yeah. This is pre-finale to that, to that amazing show of us. Yeah. Have you been keeping up with Invincible as well? Uh, no, actually. It's so good. Okay. It's exactly the comic. Oh, nice. Like cool. it's, it's the closest adaptation I've ever seen, really. Oh, nice. And we're four or five episodes in, and they just did the... Did you read Invincible at all? I can't remember. No, so, so I'm kind of like not super like just like mm. in a rush to watch it. There's a, there's an arc where they go to a college, like college day, senior day. You know, you go check out a college. Nice. And that's the arc they were just in. And that's the one arc I remember every single moment that happened from the comic. Nice. So I was really oh, excited. Awesome. So, Yeah. All right, well, then we're going to go straight into our comics, guys. Uh, As always, we start not with a bang, but a boom. And this week, we have a stack of boom books. I'm going to go ahead and pull these out. Now, we actually share almost all these books. (laughs) Yeah. But we each have one individual. Um, Mine is Firefly Brand New Verse number two. Uh, So once again, this is the... Continuing Firefly story set several years in the future and uh, kind of going back and you know, having a little bit of an homage to it all. So written by Josh Lee Gordon, illustrated by Fabiana Mascalo, colored by Lucia D. Giammarino, and letter by Jim Campbell. So long story short, uh, and I'm not going to give away all the details because I know how brown coats are. They want to experience it themselves. I'm one. And um, long story short, Zoe and her daughter and the new crew, they need a doctor for somebody. And they're like, well, we know the best doctor in the system. And <laughs> they, we also get a little bit of time with the antagonist, by the way. But I won't touch much into that. But they're like, well, we know the best doctor in the system. So they go, they fly to a farming planet. And who who is sitting outside working, Josue, but Simon Tam. Oh, what? He's a farmer now. No longer a doctor. Yeah. And they're like, they're like talking and everything. And then... Two kids come running out of the garage. Oh. And they're like, Mama exploded the compression basket and said, No, it was the fuel projector. She exploded the fuel projector. <laughs> and then out comes Kaylee. 
they got married, made babies. Everything <laughs> is okay. And th- this this book series has already justified its own existence by doing that. So, uh, but it's really fun. I mean, unlike the other Firefly comics, which are good, I've really liked most of them. Mm-hmm. This one really is a look back at the show, and just kind of like you don't really need to know the other Firefly comics comics as much, basically. Um, if you jump straight from the show and the movie to this comic series, you wouldn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And it would be really good, a good place for fans of the show and the movie to start the comic book story. So really liking it. It's really cool. So really enjoying that. Uh, Josue, tell me about Jim Henson's Storytellers Tricksters, number two. Uh, so this is also another really good one. Uh, yeah, Jim Henson's Storyteller Tricksters, number two. Story by Jordan Ifueco. Art by Aaron Gubo and lettering by Jim Campbell. An amazing cover by Peach Momoko. A really, really cool one. It's like an interconnecting one with like this fan, but it's like the hat to the, the trickster dude. Yeah. But then there's her. Uh, man. And again, it's, it's another story that just tugs the heartstrings. Uh, this chapter is called A Heart That Beats Forever. And in this case, the storyteller actually takes a break on telling a story. There's a visitor. And it's uh, a black woman uh, stops by and even she has like this one saying that goes because um, she's like, you shouldn't have scolded him after all. I am a stranger because like the dog was just like barking away. I was like at a stranger and people are seldom as they come. It's like, oh, shit, that's my favorite saying. And like, oh, fuck, here the dog's like, here it goes again. So he's about to tell a story when she's like, no, no, let me tell a story here. And it becomes a great story of like how this girl was able to trick the trickster god and in this case um i i'm trying i don't know what and what religion like all these mythos like really come from but there's a trickster a trickster god called eshu and he's basically one that would just would always just do the opposite of whatever you would ask of him like all he like all he'd ever be asked of is just like like hey like uh I take care of my enemies and I'll, I'll bless you with all their heads. And basically he would just do the other, the other shit and, and just betray them instead and, and aid the other side. But in this case, this one time um, he just saw a woman just praying to him and he's like, all right, what do you want? And she, he thought it was going to be something super vain, like for the love of somebody. And it kind of was only it was because it's like this, like Sultan this like this, this like would be King, had a line of women but he knew or she knew that there was going to be this other one that was going to be getting all, all the attention she was always just going to be in se- uh, second so she wanted to be number one and Eshu did his Eshu thing and just made her instead because of this because of the, the thing in this and these methods is that all these gods tend to claim people you'll, you'll get it almost like a not a brand, but not a, a really pretty symbol on you. And you're like, oh, you should be devoted to that God instead. So Eshu grants this, like the woman that was praying to him, his symbol, his Eshu symbol. So now, and the thing about his symbol, it was just like, it's more, people just see it as a curse. Like the her dad wasn't going to like sell her off anyway, like anymore, because that symbol just brings about bad stuff because this God is the trickster God. Hmm. So... Um, that's where that, and that's where kind of uh, that's where the kicker is. Uh, that's she ended up tricking him in the end because she was actually the the number one girl for the main sultan, and all she wanted to do was be devoted to this god instead. And it just becomes like this, like almost like this 
twisted love tale, but it's really good. And and all that whole time, you kind of touching back. It was like the first time you actually kind of really do touch back for more than just like a panel or two to um, the storyteller, if you will. Um, and that whole time, the lady's just like slowly aging throughout the process. And you kind of figure out that, that maybe this is her. And it's just it's just really fantastic. I, I, I loved I just jumped into the series because it's like one of the best anthology stories that are out there, especially for comics. And I'll, I'll just forever recommend the, the storyteller. It's just really cool. Nice. Uh, Eshu is Nigerian, by the way. Nigerian? Cool. Yeah, it would be. It, it, it is It is very African um, African in nature, so I just didn't want to get it wrong. Cool, thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I looked it up while you were talking. I didn't know off the top of my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. Awesome. Okay, uh, we got some other Boom books to talk about. Let's talk about Luna, number three. <sighs> Let's. Uh, drawn, written, everything by Maria Lovett. Um, so... <laughs> our um our plucky hero is getting caught up in this um this cult and uh <laughs> this is a trip guys <laughs> i don't know how to explain it um it's really good Josue, i'm assuming you absolutely loved this book yeah, I, I really did, actually. So, I really liked it, but I was like, holy crap, Josue's got to be loving this shit right I'm now. Just, so. I'm not ready to call it a vampire tale, but in an essence, like this whole issue is an explosion of an ecstasy of tripping out, in, uh, tripping out balls. <laughs> in pure ecstasy, it's really cool, but yeah to have sex that good and go somewhere else to another plane and have a conversation with the whole other being. Damn. I want to have that. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, obviously there's, we're finding about more and more of this stuff of what's going on. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind (laughs) of like, um, this is very interesting and uh, I don't know. It's really cool though. I'm really, really, really enjoying it. So visually it's super dope because it's just like, such an opposite to uh, Eros and Psyche, you know? Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Um, like you, you would think like it's like, oh, well, it's the same creator, so they'll have like a, a similar take, and Eros Psyche is just so, I don't want to say plain, because I'm pretty sure it's on, it's very much on purpose. But then you just see like all the the imagine, like, imagination on each panel and how explosive like they can be and it's just like damn like just like the range for 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 maria it's just it's just awesome it's just such yeah. an opposite book yeah it's really good if you guys like a, like a psychedelic story psychedelic sexual story yeah i was gonna point that page out to you too i want these lips tattooed on me with with the o <laughs> but yeah it's it's just awesome like it's really cool it's 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 a trip um uh, that takes us to our next book specter inspectors number three yes uh, continuing, what an abrupt shift, by the way. Um, <laughs> created and written by Bowen McCurdy and Caitlin Musto. Art by Bowen McCurdy. Letters by Jim Campbell. Um, so this is the most ages uh, haunting story that Boom's been putting out about the uh, four young people who are ghost hunters. Um, this episode was really cool. Uh, one thing I liked is they did, it's almost a sitcom trope where you put the two characters that don't interact mm-hmm. together and like separate them from everybody else. 
and they look and the story literally does that with the two sets of characters that never interact you know mm-hmm. um so they they break them up and you get to see them like interact and spend time together and that was really cool and i really like the whole like they're both they're both exploring this haunted building but from different angles yeah like, when they're when they're walking over each other and under each other yeah yeah like that's really really, cool. I think that gravity shift yeah that was cool and i like that the possessed girl can see the the you know the house oh. as it was that was such it, a great bit. Yeah, that was a really cool choice. So uh, the two of them get to like, you know, like what's what matches. That's going to be the obvious stuff to look into. And I thought that was a really cool logic jump. Like, I really like that. So um, and then we get to see the the cult uh, come in, which was really interesting. And they ran away. We're, we're going to get some some answers, I think, soon. I'm really enjoying this quite a bit. Soon, because uh-huh. yeah, at the end, I mean, I, I like, yeah, like you said, I like how they did like the whole team swap. I love that when, um, when it was uh, the girl that's running, like the the Spectre Inspectors and and, and the guy, mm-hmm. and they had like their moment. I loved that it didn't go, it didn't get into like any kind of romancy shit, or it was just like, or at one point, well, because she's it. with the other girl, right? It's like I know that you're gay, but at one point, I liked you because even they even had, oh like, god, that would have been awful setting. <laughs> they almost had, like the setting, and like they weren't really leaning into it. They weren't. Even, yeah. like, I love that. Just avoided that. I love that his dialogue was just like, dude. I just you know. I just I love being like your guys' friends. I just I knew that you guys would always protect, or you that you would always protect us. Yeah, and then they'll go around the other side with Gus and the possessed girl. Just like, why do you <laughs> do that to her? Just like, oh, that's just me flirting. <laughs> yeah. All right, that takes us to our last boom book, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, number one. This way, let me see your cover. Oh, I got this one, and I got the super dope David Mack cover. Yes. (laughs) I also got the David Mack holographic cover, so. It's like, I saw it, I was like, how could I not? (laughs) I know, I was like, we don't see holographic covers anymore, so. Mm. Uh, not not often enough. Uh, written by Ram V, illustrated by Filippi Andrade, with coloring by Inez Amaro and lettering by And World. So this is a new series. So good, and it's super unique, guys. Um, basically, the the main character of our series is death, <laughs> and but done in a non not in a way that anyone ever really has done a comic book about it about death you know what i mean so so death basically gets fired by a god because there's a child that's born that's gonna basically invent immortality so we don't need death anymore and death is outraged by this death is then given a retirement package which is literally to be sent back to earth sent to earth and live as a mortal (laughs) and she's very much not happy about that and her idea is she's going to kill this child that's going to give everybody immortality. That way she has a purpose again. And what follows is a really cool story. Now, I, we should point out, uh, I believe, yeah, this does take, take, take place in, in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. So it does take place in India. And um, it's it's just really cool and i really like it i like all the characters i love death so much already um in its own way it's like it's it's a funny book yeah and then it's she um like one of the people she runs into is the god of life and that's one of that's like is it her ex or something i think they made a point of that um but yeah uh it's just really cool and basically death can't die 
she keeps coming back and that's really interesting because like is it because she was a god you know or is it her mission to kill the you know or something mm-hmm. like that and throughout the book she does get a chance to to put off the to, to get rid of the child but can't quite make herself do it so i'm curious to see where this goes because that would have been a conflict i would expect to last for at least the first arc you know yeah but it's like that's done in the first issue so i'm curious to see where it goes what did you think well i just by by the end i mean it was just such an interesting such an original take or it's an original book uh that then by the end of it you see like oh in its own way is like what it would be like to if I can go, if I had a chance to kill baby Hitler for in, in their, in her own twisted way, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. And I just love that it's death who just can't get life right. And they're just going to keep dying over and over. I just think that's so funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, cause then we have like that time skip and it's like, mm, maybe I got another crack at it. So yeah, I, I'm really liking this book. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm really digging it. So can't wait to pick up more of it. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to our next publisher, a publisher that I've only brought up once before on this show, which is Black Mask. I'm really excited that Josue has jumped on board with this book with me, um, (laughs) because I definitely need him for this one. Alice in Leatherland. Oh, yes. Created by uh, Yolanda Zeffardino and Alicia Romboli, written and illustrated by them, respectively. so this is about a young woman who is obsessed with sweets and writes children's stories. Um, and the her artist and her are having a conversation. Basically, her artist is saying, well, I'm moving to San Francisco, and I want you to come with me. And the girl's like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay. This is, I have a girlfriend here. Everything is fine. And then we get a very heartbreaking scene where, where, she finds out what her girlfriend really thinks about her. It's brutal. I already love this main character. I <laughs> yeah. fucking love her so much. So basically, in the end, she decides to move to San Francisco with the artist. Well, the artist already has like living arrangements. So she's got to find a place to live. And anyone who's ever moved, li- moved to a large city like that knows it's ridiculous. Uh, and she's looking, she's looking. She finally finds a place. And it literally says, looking for a roommate private room in a three-bedroom house utilities included and she's like (laughs) and she's like fuck yeah and she immediately pays for three months in advance she gets there and uh (laughs) (laughs) okay so Josue (laughs) please tell me (laughs) please give me your side of this because I'm afraid to even describe what's happening (laughs) I love it, by the way. I should make that clear. I love this. <laughs> so. Somebody who didn't have permission to open the door opens the door. <laughs> so. In 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 leather with a luchador mask on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, because they didn't have permission, they get stomped to the ground and they, stay, they get told to stay to be put down. And then the actual person that lives there answers the door and says, and is one of the most charming individuals to ever grace these pages. Uh, it is a sex positive house and yes. such a fucking fun one at that. Especially that comes out of the fucking bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so she meets, she ends up meeting, going around and meeting the roommates and it is a culture shock, especially if we're not, ready for it if you had just haven't been uh adverse in it 
it's, it's going to be a culture shock to just be to just saying yes to living in this kind of in this living situation. And boy, man, is she just like, I feel she's going to warm up to it. it like I said, it's, oh, yeah. it's more of a culture shock at first, especially when like the whole house is in on it. But it's just like you can't just really catch up everybody on it, especially just not like that. Um, but before that, man, I fucking love that this whole story was good. Like this whole like this constant just left turn. Or this left turn at the end was just like, wow, holy shit. And I can't wait for more. But then, like, such, it's such an honest story, again, like, to tell in the beginning. Especially, god damn it, with, like, the, the like the artist friend, where it's just, like, she's definitely into her. but Oh, she's like, so into her. I think that's where But she doesn't want to be, like, the rebound, like, right then and there. But at the very least, yeah. she, she got to help her out, which is good. Yeah. But, oh, my God. It's just, <laughs> I'm going to love the shit out of this book. I also wanted to call your attention to an ad near the back of the book to see oh, yeah. if you saw it. For Maria Lovett's Loud. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, we might have to pick that up. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, overall, I really, really enjoyed Alice in Loveland. Uh, I'm really liking what Black Mask is doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where they go from here. So, yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to switch over to Oni Press. Nice. And I have a quick Oni book that I want to talk about. Uh, it's a number two. It's Jana and the Impossible Monsters. Or the Unpossible Monsters, I should say. Um, written by Chris and Laura Samney. Art by Chris Samney. Colors by Matt Wilson. Letters by Crank. Um, so this is the story, mostly told through pictures in the last issue, about a young girl who lost her little sister and suddenly got a hint that her little sister might be out uh, living amongst these monsters. So she goes out to go find her. Um, in this issue, she actually finds her little sister and her little sister is basically feral at this point and doesn't want to go with her. And so she basically this whole issue is she's coming to grips with the fact that she's got to try to convince her sister to come with her. And it's just, it's a very lush and beautiful book. Um, the colors really match the world really well. It's just, it's just gorgeous. It's a slow burn and it's going to be a slow burn. That's just how it is. But uh, I, I dig it. So, like, here's the first shot you see of the little sister. Oh, she's all ooh. golemed out with a dead fish in her mouth and Sick. stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm really, really enjoying this. Um, this could, this is a great book for kids so far. Um, I reserve the right to to retract that if you know they murder somebody bloodily. But yeah. Um, but yeah, really good, really good book for kids. Um, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. See how far it goes. I'm getting major bone vibes. Mm. Which I try to I try to stay away from comparing things to bone. Yeah, but I, I that's the best comparison, well, especially it's with just, the it's art. Such a standard, but yeah, I see. Yeah. So, all right, and that takes us on to Mad Cave Studios. Host Sway, tell us about Pantomime. Is this the final issue? That's why I can and I can't tell you much about Pantomime because yes, it is very much the last issue, the final issue, the finale to Pantomime. <laughs> Uh, yeah, give it up to writer Christopher Sabella, artist David Stoll, uh, colors is uh, Deborah Kelly, and Justin Birch as the letter. Yeah, everything unfolds in this one. Everything really just like comes together, <laughs> and all the all the betrayals, and all the twists, and double turns, and double twists, and double double agents reveal themselves. And oh boy, it's just like it was satisfying. It was really good, especially when it's like one of the fucking punk dudes was just like becoming too much of a punk asshole. So I'm glad that at the very end, like, um, fuck, the main character was able to uh, 
cut that dude out of her life because um, <laughs> he was just such God. He just became one of the worst characters ever. Um, but yeah, in the end, it, it, God, it was a good ending for everybody. But then I don't want to say it was it was a good ending in the end for everybody. <laughs> it's, it's a, it, it, it ended on such like like such a dark note um, where it was just like we were just enabling the good guy in the end to get away with their own selfish reasons anyway. Cause God, it's just like to just you know when you find out that the that the main character like the character you ended up like liking or the one that got us out in the end anyway was just lying in her own way the whole time. So it was just like. Mm-hmm. And it, and it sounds like, well, she was lying about everything. It was like, she wasn't lying about her feelings. But in the end, it was just like, it really was. Well, like, what else was she really lying about? You just get these little revelations where, like, these things that she said in previous issues to where she didn't get tested on, but it was she was, her reply just wasn't the same way. And you're just like, wait, what? And they give you one one more of, like, remember this time? And then to, and then to like, and then to, into another issue. And you're like, oh, fuck she was just lying out of her ass too. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, was it all just for her own sake? And not, and not so much to just make you think that maybe like the, the guy who was just like ragging on was right. It, like that dude still deserved what he got, but it was just like, how much more did she lie to just get her own way to cut hit him off? And then did he really deserve that much of a punishment? It was just, it ended up, it, I ended up thinking too much on it. It was just so fucked up, but it was so good. Definitely like look out for Pantomime from Mad Cave Studios. It, it was really fun, especially if you like like heisty stuff. And it was like, and again, like the whole time, like the dialogue is said through hand motions because like they are speaking in ASL, which is actually a really cool take on dialogue mm-hmm. in comics. Nice. All right, moving on to another publisher. We're quick firing publishers at this point. Um, this is IDW. I have one book. Uh, the comic Voyage to the Stars, based on the podcast, took nice. like a four or five month uh, like break between issues three and four. I thought it was over. And then yeah. issue four came out, which is actually the end. So the story's by Ryan Koppel and James Asmus. Art's by Connie Dedone. Colors by Reggie Graham. Um, and uh, lettering by... Uh, Justin Birch from And World. So first of all, I got this cover, which is a Peach Momoko cover, which I would Aww. never expect her to do a Voyage of the Stars cover, so that was fucking great. <laughs> uh, this wraps up the story, and it definitely sets up the next season of the podcast. Um, to explain any more to you would be very difficult without explaining the entire podcast to you. <laughs> um, but I absolutely love it. It's really, really good. Check out the podcast if you guys want like a good comedy like radio play type thing. Uh, it's a really good one to do that with. So, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. I hope we get to see it in more in comic form later on. So, um, that is it for IDW. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to Dark Horse Comics. Uh, I have one book that I want to talk about, and that is Lady Baltimore, The Witch Queens, number two. You guys probably remember me reviewing the first one. Stories by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden. Art by Bridget Connell, colors by Michelle Madsen, and lettering by Clem Robbins. So we have the um, basically this witch hunter who teams up with a witch to hunt all these witches, basically. And this one got a lot more action-based and also a bit more gory, which I thought would it would suit Josue pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone tries to rescue the witch that they kid that they took capture, 
And that's the whole thing is holding off someone trying to, to get the witch. There's some really cool character designs that I thought you would really, really, really enjoy. Yeah. I'm trying to find a good shot of one of them. Uh, this witch has like a rack of antlers that are like a circle around her head, like a halo. And she's put candles all around the halo. Oh, oh, that's a great design. Yeah, it's straight up Mike Mignola, right? Like, that's some shit he would come up with. So. It's probably the artist, though, knowing me. Um, but yeah, and so they're basically trying to free this witch, so they need her for something. We don't know what, what the point of it is. And um, we get this more grounded in World War II as well. We find out these evil witches are actually helping Germany in World War II, so that grounds it, which, is again, is another pretty Mike Mignola yeah. thing to do. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, it's really, really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's it's the second issue, though, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But definitely, if you're into this, if you're into Mike Mignola's stuff, you're going to enjoy this, is what I'll say. So that takes us to a brand new publisher for this show. Josue, tell me about You Promise Me Darkness number one from Behemoth Comics. Behemoth, yeah. Well, isn't he, this is from the same people who made um, the, um, the adaptation to A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night? And only, Maybe it only had it only had two issues. I thought it was going to go for longer, or at least like tell it a little bit more. But it really just ended at two issues because in that because then it came out with a trade, but it was just still those two issues. Um, but anyway, so I've been on a, been on the lookout still on Behemoth because I, I did like that adaptation and I did like their um, their paper like material, especially for for a girl walks on my alone at night. Um, this one is it's not the same kind of paper, but it's still in black and white. It's still a very much mm-hmm. black and white book. But anyway, you promised me darkness by Damon Connolly and Annabella Mazzaferi. and I'm gonna just like be kind of kind of quick on this one because it's mm-hmm. a lot of exposition, and I'm gonna need the second book, reread this one with the second issue uh, to kind of put more of it together. All, you, all I could really like mention about it is like, so I thought this book was gonna come out last week with the other book, the what was it, Colin Bunn book that came out last week. The what? What was the Colin Bunn book? The one about the the ghosts? Uh, Phantom on the Scan. That's right. Phantom on the Scan. And because yeah. I, I, when I saw that last week's list, I saw that one. And I saw that this one was supposed to come out last week. Um, but I guess it was just wrong because it was this week. So I was looking out for both of them because they just kind of seemed kind of similar. They're, they're all about the comet, right? This one's actually the one about Haley's Comet and triggering certain powers. Um, mm. And it gives you that a little bit of that history on how, like, maybe every time it comes around and because because of technology and people are not being aware of when to actually look up or be there for it. Um, that's why there was there weren't as many eventful things to happen in previous Haley's comments um, as they were. It's like in the 1980s or 86 mm-hmm. is like when there's a date that came out for like the last time since like news broke the news is breaking out to, to watch out for it. But all those times before that. It was just like these weird occurrences on like certain people having these like auras or curses. They even so much so as to try to try to paint it that maybe Jesus Christ was was maybe one of them instead of just being this <laughs> other being. It was just like he just had powers because of Hades comment. Um, but anyway, it c- gives you a little history on like um, the people who were affected by it. They kind of someone went to hiding because. Of course, scientists were getting it very curious and start uh, poking and prodding around. There's a weird shot. There's like a cool shot where like maybe some of them were like the Watchmen in their own way. <laughs> uh, they do call themselves as uh, the children of the comet, 
Um, and it's supposed to be a der- mm-hmm. derogatory term, but they're like, but we were proud of it. So they became mm-hmm. the Comet Society. Um, but then as years went on, they some of those people started having kids. And I think as I, as I understand it, as it comes back around, as the content like the present, the the main character, like we're kind of we're also set in this like Mike Magnola esque campy way. Our narrator is like this mm-hmm. over hundred year old alien looking ape sapien, and there's like a dude who's just like floating, just like <laughs> who's just like smart in his own way, and they're going after the main character on the on the cover, and he has his own his his whole own thing. Uh, with this other woman, Lydia, and again, she has her own powers, but again, it's, there's just like so much dumped in this book. And I'm just like, I just need more of it. Cause then again, this, the whole mm-hmm. second half becomes like a clusterfuck with zombies and shit like that. So I need a little bit more explained to see like what's really going on here, but it's a very inter- interesting start. You promised me darkness. Kind of look, look, definitely look out for it. Oops. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay, we are going to go ahead and move on and talk about Aftershock. Yes. Uh, we got two books from Aftershock. Hosway, why don't you tell me first about Knock 'em Dead 5? Knock 'em Dead. This is the this is the stand-up comedian book, right? Where he's possessed? Yes. Awesome. I'm I've been excited for your summary of this. And also another finale. <laughs> I was like I Man. think I think they might have started around the same time too. This one and Pantomime. I might have picked up around the same time. I think it was, yeah. Cause I, cause I was, I was kind of, I, I was juggling. I was like, oh shit, Mad Cave and Aftershock are kind of putting out some good stuff at the same time. So I was, and these were like, yeah, I think they're about the same time. So it was only nice to for them to end at the same time. And if you want to look at the inside page, mm, I so know, pretty. right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Knock 'Em Dead number five, The Closer, by Elliot Rahal. Artist is Matia Monaco, and Matt Mill is as the colorist. So. Remember last time where we left off? It was the mm-hmm. um, he finally took it the last ghost, and at the last second, because he was gonna have his five minutes on like that Conan Conan show, only at the last second, like basically Conan died. Well, let, yeah, never mind. I won't go that dark. Uh, but basically, that <laughs> happens, and so instead, he takes over that whole episode, and he and and that's and that's where we left off. Right. The first words he reads are fifteen years later oh man uh, and let me just paint the setting before i tell you what exactly what happened 15 years later and kids are around a ball pit and they're around a, they're around a person and they're like excuse me sir are you are you mr hamburger can i take a selfie and that's when he wakes up and it is our main character only he's just like really really fat and he's like in the kid's ball pit and because he got spooked awake, and again, like in the kid's ball pit, he starts blasting away his gun in the, into the air. Not a kid's, like nobody dies, but again, he's not okay. <laughs> so he's in jail, not prison yet, but he's in jail. And of course, this is not, this is not looking good uh, because one, he's recognized and he's, his sister comes to visit him. And after he's able to get out and he's, you know, he says, fuck it. I'm going to have a one-on-one. I'm have a call a press conference, if you will. He's going to have an interview, an all-exclusive interview on what exactly happened. And apparently, after all those times ago, he was, uh, yeah, when he took over that Conan show, it was, like, the second most rated, like, show that night. And he, just, he became an innocent, innocent hit, and he just, like, took over that life. And he became very, very successful. 
and mm-hmm. every single time it was just like what the hell is going on i mean like at least like how is this working or like what what roads what paths was he taking to, to trigger this because he wasn't a good he was we know that he wasn't a good stand-up how was he just like triggering this by just by being possessed and he's not really saying all that part he's just like kind of really giving this like half-assed apology it's like it's it's, it's it's he's saying his side and kind of explaining what happened with the sister and also filling us filling us in at the details details with at the same time but it's just not really being all honest because like if this this whole thing was supposed to be honest the question finally comes up well then what did happen with what what did happen with harvey anderson at this point this is stuff that we don't know and something really really fucking dark happened then this in this time that we that in this time skip that we don't know in this boat and this dude just died and him and his sister were the only ones there to really witness it and he just kind of halfway he half he half-assed blamed it on well there was drugs and alcohol and the reason why we didn't call the cops right then and there is because we were trying to get rid of that evidence so it was still kind of bullshit and at the end he just like kind of calls off the the interview and it's just not okay there's still something that he that he doesn't know and then later on, he just calls up his sister again. They became estranged this whole time. He calls up his sister one more time. And he just he wants to get one more like the answers from him because he's like, he I guess he's finally ready to ask what did happen that night. He was just gonna be in denial after the after that night. His career just like took more off, and you find out that it was the sister the whole time. <laughs> you find out that the sister was the one that kind of kept almost like possessing him for like for that they're for that their lives because she was like she was his manager so that their yeah. lives can keep thriving and that night um prior our main character he just gets too too wasted and he ends up passing out and you hear the and you see the conversation play out of of harvey and talking with the sister and he's like yo i just landed the deal of fucking lifetime i basically got the i basically got the disney deal you know um and guess what the character's called mr hamburger and then she fucking kills him so that she can get him to possess the brother and then of course that's what the career took off um and so it becomes a whole thing of honesty and shit happens that it shouldn't but i'll just say it, this one all, this one does end on a good note i read pantomime and this one back to back and where pantomime just left me just like with that good dark feeling that good dark ending this one was for sure the more of the dark book throughout the series, but with the actual happy ending. I was actually very pleased with this one. It was really good. Hmm. Despite all the dark shit that happened. <laughs> nice. All right. And then we have another Aftershock book. Yes. Uh, the Bequest, number two. <laughs> I can't remember. Did you pick up issue one when I did? Yeah. Okay. Um, so this one uh, is written by Tim Seeley, drawn by Freddie E. Williams II, uh, colorist Jeremy Colwell, lettering by Marshall Dillon. This one is the one that kind of half takes place in the fantasy world and half in our modern world in Chicago. And we get to kind of get a more character development, a little bit of character time with each person, which uh, I really enjoyed, actually, uh, seeing everybody um, like going off and doing their thing right at the beginning. Um, uh, so we get to find out a bit more about them. Like uh, one of them goes to go go to listen to someone sing, and um, like I'm trying to remember. I'm turning back to one of oh, the the magic guy goes to like a carnival and is doing magic tricks, but like 
the kind of magic tricks we would actually be used to. <laughs> and he's like, and he's really like, oh, is she does she actually like this? You know, like this is weird. Um, the half lane goes to <laughs> a strip club, and is, everybody thinks they're a child. It's just great, uh, but it's really cool. And we're setting up a really cool storyline. I think. I think we got a good idea of like kind of the arc and like what the conflict is going to be. And I'm just really enjoying it. And it's very much a Freddie Williams, you know, art. Like if, if you're familiar with his art and like it, this is very much more of the same. So yeah, this issue was uh, hilarious by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. It was very funny. The one dude walking around naked, like <laughs> with, with just a bathrobe on and his sword. That's it. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. So no, I really enjoy it. And I love the concept, the modern, like, it's almost kind of like the Dark Tower, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really, really enjoyed that. But yeah, this is cool. It's a lot of fun. It's very Tim Seeley as well, you know? Oh, very. So that helps because we love Tim. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, anything else you want to add about it? No, I mean, it was just it was just an actually funny book. I mean, the whole interaction with when he, when, um, was it Warlock, when he just shows up, like super drunk, like saying, in the robe and the, and just the, the sword is like blocking his dick. And it's just like, the, the whole interaction was just super funny and then, and then just like getting into action just like oh fuck yeah and like they're they're not just like the stooges that just came over but they can actually kick ass afterwards it's it's really cool yeah really liking it that brings us to our next publisher which is a big one that is image comic books we have a stack of image this week uh we will start with the ones we don't share so story time Keith went and picked up his books and was pulling things off the wall and he grabbed this next book, excited to read number three, and didn't realize he grabbed a reprint of issue number two. Oh. Why those are on the new new release wall everywhere, I don't know. <laughs> so nice. Keith got a really cool cover for Radiant Black 2, uh, well, that is but, nice. but didn't read it. Josue, tell me as... As much as you can without spoiling for me what happened to Radio Black like, 2. I do want to tell you all about it, but honestly, this was as I as I was starting to read it and as I was like going through the issue, this ended up being the one issue all week I wanted you to read. I wanted your take on the most, dude. Because right. uh, yeah, the superhero the superhero stuff is, is uh, he really just does one superhero stuff, and it's not even fighting any sort of villain or adversary it's just like it becomes really more like the the spider-man story saving like the the any other person you know uh but the reason why i wanted you to fucking read it was because the whole first half really dives into his his actual persona uh you know how that he's a writer the mm-hmm. whole time is, is him trying to crack his writer's block and him trying to get through the story. So it's like, damn, I, w- I want to know Keith's take on this or like, or is like the story he's writing interesting or like the way he, the way he starts breaking down on like, okay, what story am I trying to tell? Like he starts, start, he starts right. breaking down his own uh, character for their novel. And like, and I want to know, like want to see how your, your writing process goes or was it similar to how he does it? Or when he hits like, when he hits like that mental block and it's like, damn it, mm-hmm. Keith, why didn't you get number three? <laughs> Yeah, I'll get it, and then we could talk about yeah, it. Yeah, cool. So. <laughs> All right, uh, but overall, did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, especially because it was okay. just different. Like we're 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 so curious about like what this power means or who the guy in the red suit is. But this whole issue just takes a whole step back and just like really mm-hmm. becomes more about the character development and just like we really kind of get into his head, and it's actually really cool. 
I've started referring to the bad guy in Radiant Black as Radiant Black because he's red. <laughs> Actually, so. that's genius. Radiant Black. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so, quick uh, creative team for it. Written by Kyle Higgins, yes. drawn by Marcelo Costa, lettered by Becca Carey. Uh, so, yeah, I will get it. We'll talk about it, I promise. So, uh, Next up, something that I did not pick up the first time, but I went back and picked up so we can talk about it. And I did not know that these books were so goddamn big. <laughs> so, uh, Ultra Mega. Ultra Mega. Oh, damn, variant too. Oh, did I get a variant? The other one. Sorry, no, I this is the one. Yeah, okay. one and two. Because I didn't read one, remember? Yeah. So, um, but our good friend Steven was telling me how much he enjoys it, and he will be on the show next issue of this to talk about it with us. Oh, I can't wait. Um, so, so, I'm excited about that. So, quickly, creative team... Uh, created, drawn, and written by James Heron, colored by Dave Stewart, and letter by Russ Wutan. Uh, so, it's really gory. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know me, I'm not I'm not a gore person. Oh, the first one is um, nonstop, for sure. There was at one point a river of blood that drowned a bunch of people, <laughs> and I was kind of like, holy shit. Now, the goal was a bit much for me, but I'm not the target audience for this kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I do, I will mention it is very unique and cool to see a kaiju story where there's actual blood and guts and there's actual violence and it's not a giant robot and a giant monster punch, punching each other and no one actually getting hurt, kind of like Power Rangers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's actually gory and really horrible and stuff. So, um, it's pretty grim too, and that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I'll say that I really enjoy—I love the world that they're painting. As far as because there's a time skip enter issue one, yeah. Um, I love the world that they have after the time skip, and I'm really curious to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm most excited about. Um, and I like the characters in the future, like the the characters to start with. I was kind of like, these are cool, I guess. You know, this is interesting, but I never thought like, oh, I'm, I need to know. But then once we got to that second issue, I was like, oh, these are going to be the characters. I actually really like this. This yeah. is cool. No, I, so. I actually, I, oh, damn, I mean, that cool. Um, yeah. I really liked the, that the first issue was just, yeah, it was very grim, very dark, brutal, because I like that we started at a finale of something. And yeah, like the, our main characters that we actually care about are an issue too. And even still, shit, it just doesn't stop. Especially kind of where we start getting to like the cliffhanger, like the shit that happens when you get like, oh, we have an ally. And like, oh man, no, everybody out here is looking for number one and this sucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I will say the monster designs are pretty great. Oh, fuck yeah. Just the design in general, to be honest. Everything in it, like costume design, everything was re- really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll keep getting it. It is a bit violent for me. Yeah. So, but, but it's, but I still enjoy it. The River of Blood was a lot. <laughs> so I was kind of like, when they said like it would like dry up, and I was like, I do, I don't need to know that. <laughs> like I was like, that's really gross. Depending so. on how this sounds afterwards, but it, it seems like it all because at the end of the second issue, it says, uh, "Since our first arc is only four extra sized issues, we want to start with um, yeah." And then after, so if there's a fifth issue, mm-hmm. maybe they won't be as big and won't be as bloody or grim as long for as long oh no they can't go back on bloody and grim i mean that's oh, no, that's saying, why people read the, it you know what i mean i'm saying the length of it because yeah like the first four are just going to be the those i think are going to be oversized ones 
Yeah, I was looking at it and I'm like, am I going to have to get Golden Age comic, you know, bags to fit these? <laughs> like, because, you know, the Golden Age ba- bags are bigger. So I think the first one, like, barely was like such like a snug, like, slide down. Slide at least you don't need a board for it. Like, but, it's stiff enough, it won't need a board, probably. Oh, that's true. I should probably try without a board. <laughs> yeah. The Robin, I think it was the Robin 80th anniversary one that's kind of like that thick. Oh, yeah. I didn't need a board for it. It's perfect. So, um, next up. Uh, under image, I'm going to talk about a book that Hosway picked up, but he alluded to was not able to read. Oh, oh yeah, uh, the old guard tales through time. Cool. Uh, two stories. It's going to be an anthology series, uh, and yes, this is based on the original run of the old guard comic. And um, also, you probably seen the movie on Netflix, and if you haven't, go fucking watch it because Fuck it's yeah. great. <laughs> so, um, but it's two stories. Uh, My mother's axe which was written by Greg Rucka and art by Leandro Fernandez and Zanzibar and other harbors written by Andrew Wheeler and art by Jacopo Camagni um, colors by Daniel Miwa and Jody Wynn does the lettering. So as I said, there's two stories here. The first one, my mother's acts. I, I loved them both. Actually. I really loved it. And if you, if you like the characters from the mm-hmm. movie and the other uh, original comic, You'll really enjoy this. Yeah, I was, trying, um, I was trying to sneak in the movie before I before I read this one again, but I didn't have time. You really don't need to know much. I just want to watch uh, it again. Yeah. Um, so it starts with the main character, uh, Charlotte, Charlize Theron's character. Yeah. Um, and the new recruit, and they're um, they're sparring, mm-hmm. and the girl's using this axe. That's really cool. It, it's it's like got this unique uh, like head on it and stuff. And so you can kind of see it right here, like the way it looks and stuff. Oh, like the one she was kind of like the one that Charlize was kind of rocking. Yeah, it's it's the one from the movie. But basically, there's a point behind it. She basically tells her, "This is my mother's axe from when I was a child, you know, thousands of years ago." Mm -hmm. And then the girl's like, "She's like, uh, like basically says something like, this can't be the same axe.' She's like, "No, this is the only axe I've ever had." And she talks about how like, "No, look, there's like." temper steel and spot welded that didn't exist back then and then you find out that her mother made her an axe back in the day looks like that oh and basically throughout the years it's it's kind of the ship of theseus thing actually it's pretty funny oh, um, <laughs> where it's basically like well the head broke so i replaced the head and then the shaft, the wood shaft rotted. So I, you know, replaced the shaft. Yeah. And basically in the end, the girl's like, so nothing of the original axe is left. She's <laughs> like, no, but it's still my mother's axe. Uh, it's so badass, dude. Like, I'm just uh, like, oh, the second story is about the uh, two uh, gay characters from the book. who We absolutely love. Yeah. And it's about the two of them going to a club during World War Two. Uh, and. A German guy taking offense to the fact that they, well, first of all, that one of them is a man of color, mm. and secondly, that they are gay, and he attacks them, and also tries to kill a girl, and um, I'm not gonna tell you the, the end of it, but it's really good. It's about them, about them and their relationship and stuff. So I think it's gonna be a fun series. But we see, we get to see these characters through time, yeah, and so. do different things, and it's so cool. Like uh, I just. It's just great. It's really good. I'm excited. I'm going to make Liz read it because she loved the movie. So. Oh, nice. Cool. Yep. Finally, last image book. And I saved it for last because we have to. Um, Stray Dogs number three. Can we not? <laughs> you, you bastards. <laughs> like, um, written by Tony, please. 
Uh, drawn by Tris Forstner, colored by Brad Simpson, layouts by Tone Rodriguez, and flattered by Lauren Perry. I so, don't want to talk about this book. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll run through it very quickly. <laughs> also, I got the Annabelle cover, by the oh, way. Oh, I did too. <laughs> and so, then I regret it. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> so for those who don't remember, this is the book that was described as Don Bluth meets Seven. And basically, it's a, uh, or maybe the Bone Whisper. Anyways, mm. or the Bone Bone Collector. There we go. Bone Whisper. Oh, God. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with you, Keith? Okay, anyways. Um, so we have this guy who we never really see. And he has taken in all these dogs. And we slowly find out that these dogs belong to women that he has killed. And so it's a really unique trophy. We all know serial killers like trophies. So it's, it, it's such a unique idea. And I really, really enjoyed that they came up with this. Mm. But the dogs, of course, are drawn in this Don Bluth art style from Trish Forstner. And so, of course, you fall in love with each and every one of them, except for Earl, because he's a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, they're trying to figure out what to do. I'm not going to go into details, because me and Hosway aren't going to cry tonight. (laughs) Um, But long story short, a, a big thing happens. They make a big discovery. And a big thing happens, and and one of our favorite dogs might not make it. We don't know. It's off camera, so I'm holding out hope. I even but... I asked him. I asked him. <laughs> does, does he find his bone? God. Maybe he, maybe he does. He just lied to me <laughs> in my face. I hate doing interviews. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot we cannot interview people until shit's done, until like the whole project is done. <laughs> but then they don't need to promote it. In <laughs> like, uh, seriousness, though, we're loving this book. We're well, just okay. very upset because of the character. So, yeah. It was just really oh. good. It's like, God. Yeah. <sighs> He's going to buy all the other books. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. It's I'm going to get the variants, too, as well. Like I, I love all those horror movie homages. <laughs> yeah. Next up is vault comic books yes we have two books with vault i am reading resident number nine which just came out um quick rundown written by david andry drawn by skylar partridge colored by jason wordy lettered by darren bennett now this isn't a book i've talked about every week but um i did want to go ahead and bring it up because it is coming to a, a close soon from what i understand okay and uh, I'm really enjoying it. Now, Josue, you, you read a Resident, right? I read the first uh, the first trade, and I was going to trade way for the second one. Oh, you're going by trade. Because it, it was part of, like, the, this one was part of the that initial set that I got from Vault. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Or from Books of Pictures through Vault. Um, so I was able to read it that way, and I was like, well, it, it is really good. But then I was also trying to get catch up with all the other trades, and it's like, and I knew this one was, it was on a break and then was coming back. Um, so I was, I was going to wait for the trade for this one again. Gotcha. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, it was very interesting. I, yeah, I love the art. Uh, the art is really like it's hard to explain, but there's something really epic about it. And there's there's a lot of um, what's the word I want to use? Uh, intimate. There's an intimate personal touch to this book. Yeah, that I really really enjoy, and um, and also when like, when the horror tries to sink in. It mm-hmm. does. It does have this like distortion aspect to just like make the like I don't know how it just vibrates in a, in a way, especially because like the whole yeah. buzzing thing is, it has to let it vibrate. So 
it, and I know you're not. Interesting. I know you're not caught up, but I have to just show you the first page. Yeah, no, you're good. Not a spoiler, but oh, she's amazing. Yeah, that look, this, so, this looks awesome. Cool. Just a full page spread of the of her pulling back a bow or an arrow, and I love the arrow doesn't have a head. It's like literally a homemade arrow, like mm-hmm. just little touches like that. Um, I really, I'm really enjoying the book. Uh, it's gonna be coming to a close soon, and we'll see. There's so much I want to show you, but I can't because you're not caught up, it's and probably, I don't know yeah. what. I don't know how badly you'd be spoiled because I don't know exactly when you left off. So, really um, but yeah, the next issue is the final issue. So what, issue ten. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. it's gonna be a ten issue run, and uh, and I did confirm that with David Andrew when I was speaking with him recently. Okay. Um, so I read up to five then. So you're just you'd, you'd be giving me nothing but the spoilers for the finale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The the issue beforehand. I can show you the cover too if you want to see it, Ooh. which is really cool. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Really digging it. Uh, that's another series from Vault that's coming to an end soon. So, speaking of coming to an end soon from Vault, uh, I walk with monsters number five, written by Paul Cornell. So yeah, good. same cover. Art by Sally Cantarino. Uh, colors is Derbala Kelly, and lettering is Andworld. Um, I didn't think this was what was about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were left off on kind of a, a climax, a cliffhanger, and we thought this was the moment that, you know, a big epic decision was going to be made. And in a way, it was. Mm-hmm. But it also, it was when the decision wasn't made. And basically, uh, our two main characters are trying to hunt this man who's actually a monster. And she's able to corner him and has a chance and doesn't do it. She gets away. Or she she basically leaves. And it's really emotional and hurtful. And we also get some really great um, flashback scenes mm-hmm. of their time together and gives us more of an idea of the time they've spent together. Where a lot of time they've been together, she's been underage. And he's basically like, I'm not going to do this horrible thing you want me to do because that would be technically child abuse. Yeah. And then she turns 18. She's like, hey, it's no longer child abuse, basically. And we're not talking anything sexual for anyone not familiar with this book. It's about murdering somebody. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's just really interesting. And now they're on the run, and I'm pretty sure the next issue is the last issue. It says concluded. Yeah, so... And they're on the run from a lot of bad guys that have them completely surrounded <laughs> and a helicopter overhead, so... We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's really cool. It's a shame it's coming to an end soon. I know. Uh but it's going to make room for other books for Nightfall, and Nightfall's been been doing a great job. So, mm-hmm. yep. Anything else you want to add about it? No, it was just like really good. It is a penultimate one, so we're kind of saving all the all the juicy bits for a full review later. Uh, but totally. no, I I just but this one getting like those flashback reveals, I like, just like it's kind of has been like what we've been thinking of. That's like we get presented with like the girl and this dude who's a monster, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of how it's we we followed that story. But this, the more we get into it, it's just been like kind of flipping. Like this dude has just been kind of like trying to repress his like monster side and this girl has just been wanting to just unleash something monstrous this whole time yeah and then also like the i like opening that like or what we got left off with like that politician monster looking figure and then we open up with like those hollowed eyes and the whole the next you turn the page and then those two spreads are just like her thinking about you see her just thinking about it like you just see his dialogue and her making her decision of not doing it just almost like clears that 
clears that image of the monster and you, and you finally see the yeah. dude's eyes i like that little change yeah that was interesting and it brings me into how much was he actually phys- visually a monster or was right. it just the way she saw him like there's a whole question there and it's not even a question that needs to be answered you know it's just like just another facet of what's going on and i yes. really enjoyed that so. yeah me too all right, uh, we're moving on to the big two. Oh, wait, before uh, we move or, on, I do want to oh, let yes. you know that we finally looked out and I was able to secure a Liliana uh, Magic the Gathering cover. I saw you grab a Magic the Gathering book in the background. I saw the back of it. And I was like, what's he doing over there? So that's awesome. Dude. Yeah, finally found it. <laughs> that's cool. What do you think of the book? Oh, um, I had to read 25 books. Dude. I haven't gotten around to <laughs> okay. okay, let me know when you do. So, I will. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to the big two, or as we like to call them, the big one and the other one. Yeah. <laughs> DC, we, we're trying. We're trying our best, okay? Comics are expensive. Um, we have two DC books this week. Josue, talk to me about Superman Red and Blue number two. Superman Red and Blue number two <laughs> is uh, that anthology book uh, that was exactly number, like number one. It has... A lot of stories. So it has a whole bunch of creative teams that I really don't want to go through. Um, it's really right. cool. Um, I, I did li- did like this one a lot. The first one I was very, very biased because there was like that Wes Craig story, the artist who did the class, and it's just, it became one of my favorite Superman stories, and I want a whole run by him. It's awesome. Uh, this one had some really good ones. The ones I, re- the ones I really want, uh, the one that stood out was uh, Martha Kent. She's at, this, she's, a, she's at this diner with these other ladies. And somebody just says, somebody just says something that they shouldn't have, especially to all people of Martha Kent. They pretty much just like say say something on the lines of like, "Thank God you are able to adopt," or like, um, like something like in the lines of like, "It almost you don't really count as a real mother" type of thing. And then she literally starts like, Oof. "Yeah," and Martha just like list starts go going off of, of just like going like, "Oh," I was like, "Let me just say this, if I may, if having one of your own means." And like, and it's just going off of like not being there for them, not taking care of them when they really needed to, knowing or calling them, knowing that they had lunch, literally just like momming them out, and like we all know that <laughs> who her son is, and they're just like, oh well, we, yeah, yeah, of course, like we didn't mean it like that, whatever. And at, and at the end, like Clark shows up, and it's like it's just like a really nice moment, and you can, and it made it made, th- it made me think that. Clark was just like out there in the sky, like probably supermaning out, and he was probably hearing this <laughs> conversation. It's like, wait, I hear my mom just like huffing up a little bit. What's going on? It's like, uh oh, let me just get there before she just like really blows up on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there was another story with um, with Lex, and it's just like him recalling, and it's called Patience. And the whole time he's just like recalling every single failed attempt on him trying to use a uh, red kryptonite you kind of see like see like throughout the ages and again and also this book is also done in in red and blue like there's really no and right. i guess in white um but yeah, there was a time he made like that a giant mech um the time where i guess superman couldn't get close to the mech to kill it because of the red kryptonite so from far away he just beams the robot and blows him up <laughs> there's a time where i guess lex made a suit for himself so he knew that superman wasn't gonna kill him and he made a beam uh, uh, like a like a like a gun that with a beam it's like well now with the the farther you get with this red kryptonite beam the more powerful the red kryptonite is so superman just like in a flash just like zoop gets in his face and just like plugs the the gun hole and makes the gun explode 
so from distance to no distance he like he figured figured that shit out <laughs> and then the other time was i guess like that really silly occurrence when um lex challenged superman to a boxing fight and lex was gonna have red red kryptonite boxing gloves and he oh. thought he was gonna be able to beat superman that way but then didn't realize that superman also maybe knew how to fight especially when he already had years of supermaning under his belt <laughs> so he still just kicked his ass um and then just ends with uh with lex just like calling uh her assistant mrs garnet yes miss luther the container yes return it <laughs> it was like you know what maybe not this time uh but yeah it's superman red and blue it's a little anthology series um if you look at the back, you just you're gonna see a, a list of creative names, and if you if you like those names, pick it up. You're gonna find a little a, a cool super, little Superman story. Yeah, this week was full of anthology stories. I was gonna say with anthologies, sometimes it's hard for us to give everybody credit. Yeah, but we'll try to shout out the ones that really jump out at us as much as we can. Okay, the ones that did, we're gonna be do, we're gonna be doing that later on. But go on. <laughs> the ones that did stood out for sure of why I got it was uh, Chuck Brown, uh, Jason Howard, uh, Stephanie Phillips was really the main. Oh, one. love Stephanie. Yeah, so. All right, our other DC book is... I never got my hands on Nightwing 78, but I did reserve a copy when the reprint comes in tomorrow. I cannot wait for you to get that one, by the way. But I did get Nightwing 79 and went ahead and read it. <laughs> so, oh, Man. <laughs> God. So this one, I got I got 79. Um, and then I went to the other store to pick up the, the remaining issues I couldn't find. And then, because at the first store, I, saw, I was able to peek at the variant to the last issue. And it was like a really cool one. Mm-hmm. So at the second store I was at, I was like, I could see that, that the that the variant was kind of sticking out for 79. I was like, oh, let me just see it. And I swear to God, I had like that 13-year-old, like I randomly picked out that big titty vampire Ella cover. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, everybody's watching me at that, at that moment. When I got this out... Oh my god! I literally had half a chub going when I'm like, I, I'm just gonna get it. I'm just gonna take it. I'm gonna hide it because nobody can see you looking at this for any longer, <laughs> dude. This fucking cover—that's gorgeous. And especially with what fucking what Oracle says later about his overconfidence of wearing the tightest suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This cover was a must take. So written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Bruno Redondo, colored by Adriano Lucas, letter by Wes Abbott. So I finally get to jump into this Nightwing book that I've been anticipating basically since Future State started. <laughs> um, this is fucking great. Yeah, dude. I love it so much. Um, Especially that, the first page. Dude, the first page was genius. Making a what a 24-panel grid and opening it with, I spent my life working without a safety net, and then giving it the illusion that, that the whole grid is a safety net. Dude, like it was fucking awesome Mm -hmm. such a great first page yeah and the second third page i really enjoy where like he's depending on his parents and and some flying graysons and then i like my father and it's bruce basically being like get up bitch (laughs) (laughs) and then my other father and i'm like yeah we all know what that that means and it's it's alfred (laughs) and then uh my friends it's him and the titans my brothers which hey look jason gets included on his brothers (laughs) for once so um i did like that part with uh my other father when he's like alfred i'm 18 years old and it's like yeah bitch so you would you wouldn't so what do you say yes so you wouldn't know you would think to know how to accept my offer with a thank you by now it's like yeah Yeah. that's the real father it's really good and it's about dick grayson basically trying to do what he can in bloodhaven but it's also a ton of barbara gordon and for anyone who's ever listened to this show show, you know i fucking love barbara gordon so 
And just, I love the suit. I love the blue they chose. It just pops. Especially like, so this double perfectly. page. Yeah. How they make just, them look like the old school, like, panel grid, like, to, yeah. to follow the motions. Such a great like, uh, page as well. Yeah, man. I mean, this I'm, I'm definitely subbing to this book <laughs> now that I got it. So I was just going to get uh, that first one just because of, like that big ass blue cover. And I was like, yeah. and I was like, ah, maybe I'll get the second issue a shot just to see if I'll stick around with it. It's like, OK, now I, so it was something I've never thought about before. And it was it, it's been the only right answer was in this book. Fuck Bruce <laughs> Wayne. Fuck Bruce Wayne being the Bruce Wayne to save Gotham. Yep. It was always meant to be Dick Grayson to save Gotham, like as in like the person not the mask like batman can forever fantasize about saving gotham in his batman ways but and and he'll never admit that it should be bruce wayne it's dick grayson who should be saving gotham and i fucking love agreed agreed yeah i love dick grayson he's great so love it love it so much Mm -hmm. um can't wait to get more of it and between that and uh the robin book coming up it's like the bat family's really bouncing back i'm pretty excited so uh next up we're gonna dive deep into the biggest stack of comics i've ever seen in my life marvel comic books for the week we have so much guys and we have several individual books so Josue, i want you to start with your individual books Please start with Amazing Spider-Man 64 for me, please. Okay. King's Ransom, Part 2. Amazing Spider-Man, Number 64, Legacy 865. Written by Nick Spencer and artist is still Federico Vincentini. And it's still brewing the story only of of Tombstone and Robbie Robertson and their kin that are still together. And it becomes like this whole love triangle square of shit that just should not happen um <laughs> so the, in, in the beginning we start we do develop we do go back a little bit more on mordo and kingpin uh being able to torture kindred and then norman just super panicking and just like jump barging and just be like what are you doing it's like yeah and kingpin is like i'm doing what i want to do uh, and there's nothing you can do about <laughs> it um so yeah, and then the whole and yeah, the whole uh, Robbie Beetle and like the Robertsons Beetle and Tombstone, they're pretty much just like in the middle of all this like clusterfuck that's happening. And Spider Man is just like tr- trying to pe- like put like keep this all together, or at least like trying to like this like as always not have anybody die. Uh, but damn, what is this? Sixty four issues in. <laughs> I'm starting to feel the boomerang, I love. And I hate myself for it. Uh, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> he is great, but now he's doing the... But now he is, I guess, being a hero, and he's like... Go, in the end, he kind of... He leaves uh, Peter a note, uh, and it kind of insinuating that he's like kind of doing like the whole, like, I'm going, off, I'm going off by myself to do like the hero thing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good note on just like, hey, this whole thing sucks. I'm sorry. This whole thing has been fun. Um, going after like the tablets of Spidey... Uh, being roommates with you guys he doesn't know peter spidey so he's just talking to peter um but uh but it's just like but time and time again i'm keep hurting like my friends like with randy and gog uh sweet aunt may but it's you peter you're the one I, like, you're the last straw i don't want i don't want 
I don't want you to get hurt, so I'm just going off on my own. I'm going to I'm going to do this last thing. So I'm like, fuck, if, if Boomerang dies and I feel it, <laughs> I'm going to fucking punch myself. <laughs> um, and at the end, there's um, I guess there's, there's going to be a new play in town, and I guess. Otto Octavius has been back. He went to go look for something at a grave, something that's been empty. Um, but then Kindred, who's still in that Dark Dimension Cube prison, I guess he's still lurking, and he's just been biding his time and waiting until he can actually just move like a piece over. And the next piece is, yeah, Otto Octavius. And then coming this July is the Sinister War. And fuck. <laughs> nice. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I and especially because like the text is like in this, like the old school like Spider Man text. Oh yeah, like the Amazing Spider Man original. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. So or I'm, the nineties, yeah, the nineties like style. So I'm excited with what that all means. It it just seems like it'll be more between like the Sinister Six and not so much like Spider Man versus the Sinister Six again. Um, it's been interesting because Nick Spencer has just been like, just he's just been killing with Spider Man. Like thank God I've just been loving this this run. Yeah, definitely. Now, the ne- you want to go for Max and Max solo? Yeah, your other solo, yeah. Next solo is what this- no, it's not my last anthology book of the night. It's Carnage, Black, White, and Blood. <laughs> I will go through the creative team on this one because only three uh, three quick three quick stories. It's uh Donny Cates does the first one, uh with Kyle Holtz, uh, Holtz and Rochelle Rosenberg. The second one, uh My Red Hands, is by Chip Zarsky and Marco Cicchetto, so we get like a cool Daredevil reunion for Carnage. And then the, the last one is by Rombi and uh, Javier Fernandez. So, it's really cool to pick up, if to the listeners, if you've been following the Donny Cates run, Venom run, and you're collecting, uh, even you know, the, the whole completionist uh, run for him, you're going to want to pick up Carnage, Red, White, and Blood number two, because the first issue by him is... Yes, this is an anthology book, but this really does close off his part of his Carnage run, or at least like for for his Carnage story. Way back in uh, was it Venom Island? Uh, before Noel was showing up, before yeah, before even before uh, Eddie and Brock went to that alternate future, um, that that storyline when they're on Venom Island and Eddie got like possessed by Car- by Carnage and he just couldn't move and they had that whole inner like inner fight and Dylan was able to control the symbiotes from a distance at the end of all of that, when um, Eddie and, um, and Dylan were, were able to get carnage off of him, that part of this, or at least like destroyed most of it. And a, but a little portion fell into the water and we got left with this cool cliffhanger where like this, like, well, I'll just show you this giant shark got possessed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's ridiculous. But this giant shark got possessed by like that little bit of carnage. And it's just been lurking and dominating the abyss of the waters. Uh, it's really, it's really awesome. But for in this one, uh, there's these sailors that were just going, going around and um, the shark ends up biting and it reels the reels, at least one person in. So yeah, so he bounces the shark, bounces from the shark into this person, and he hops on board and it's like, yo, I'm Carnage back and I'm gonna kill you guys. Except this is also right when Noel died and the new king in black emerged. So there's uh, so there's a moment. Suck it. <laughs> yeah, so suck it. <laughs> uh, so there's a great fucking moment where um Eddie starts like as in like an, um, an uh, omnipotent being starts like talking to carnage from like through through like the monologue bubbles 
and it starts raining down symbiotes like <laughs> it's just raining down like you know like how it ended like all the symbiotes going up to the sky well at the end i guess like yeah. eddie decided to drop when he felt carnage come back he decided to just like leave a few behind or just like to drop some below it starts raining into the water onto the ship literally possessing like the other sailors so that was kind of fucked up <laughs> but literally everybody starts turning on carnage uh to where carnage is like well i'll fight you all and then you just like they kind of push them off the ship and into the water to where there was just nothing but shark and infe- venom infested sharks and they just start eating away at, at, at carnage and i guess like that's johnny cates's way of guess like dealing with carnage i'm sure we'll get carnage back again at, at one point or another but this yeah was johnny he's Cates. too popular yeah but this is johnny cates's way of of killing uh carnage um was still like these sharks and just like it just goes into the water uh but yeah that, that was pretty awesome the next one holy shit was really cool and really dark the chips are asking mark to cheddar one it looks gorgeous by the way um yeah the way that cheddar has been killing it with the uh, daredevil it's like that's that same standard only you're just limited to red black and red a uh, red black and white um yeah. This was fucked up. I almost thought it was like Cletus's uh, origins for a second because it's just like a boy in a in a very abusive home. I was like a very abusive father, and and all we know is that this boy just can't go inside the barn, or else like daddy gets really mad. <laughs> and but this boy just like has this like in, like monster friend, and he realizes that, he, that it's carnage. And Carnage is like the only one that listens to him. It becomes even he becomes his friend until one day he finally has the courage to do something about it with the help of Carnage. And then uh, and, the, and the boy steps out of the house and with like with a bloody trail. And since there's no one there to stop him anymore, he finally goes goes inside the barn. And inside the barn is fucking Spider Man. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. <laughs> um. And so, and so, uh, Spider Man is, is able to be like, "Oh shit, Cletus, what the fuck you do?" Because um, he, he's reali- realizing that he's possessing this boy now. And Spider Man actually gives delivers a great a great speech, and the boy is, is able to like fight off Carnage, and the and at least like free Spider Man that way. Spider Man can fight off Carnage and free the boy, and and you get a cool like, le- like lesson where it's just like the boy was just like so in his fucked up emotions like or based on his uh on his home that uh, he only just had it out for it for his for his stepdad and then spider-man just like even though he was already feeling all those negative emotions he it wasn't about just like letting loose and taking it out on him too he just had like the one person that he just actually hated so it becomes kind of a happy ending i like, just like spider-man carnage go and fuck off and fight fight it out and uh, the mom finally just, like at least like since there's nobody to hold her back because like they just embrace each other so it's kind of a happy ending and then you have the Rom V one, and oof. the Rom V one is like it was like if Carnage was part of Road of Bones with uh, which with uh, with Rich Duick, it becomes like the super snowy area, and then Carnage is just out there lurking and hunting, and it's just like it just pick, it starts picking off these people, um, mm-hmm. and at the end he just and. And at the end, it's like he he ends up possessing like the last dude surviving, and is able to come back to civilization because he just it's almost like he needed a new body for it. But yeah, the, the Rombie one who was just like was just crazy. It was like the gray road of bones and add carnage to that shit, and just like not the type of place you want to be at. It's really cool though. <laughs> 
yeah, that was it for, for, for those. It was like three quick stories, but really cool. Nice. All right, I got two solo books for Marvel. The first one is Spider-Woman number 11. Nice. Uh, this book is getting closer and closer to issue 12, and that makes me happy because a lot of people you might not know, for a solo book, to hit 12 and continue, that's usually a really good sign. Oh, for sure. 12 is a good spot to wrap it up if you're thinking about canceling it. Yeah. And we don't have any announcements yet, so I'm very excited this is going to continue. So, uh, Written by Carla Pacheco, drawn by Perry Perez. Uh, colored by Frank Damrata and lettered by Travis Lanham. Um, so the arc of the first half of the show story is over, which was the whole Jessica Drew's dying of a disease. She has to find something. So that's over. This is the first issue back. And it literally says on the cover, great jumping off point. If oh, you're, nice. if you know, it's a good place to start. So um, the costume she was wearing at the time, which looked really cool was designed for her the clones of her mother to track her. So she gets rid of it, and she goes back to the good old classic Jessica Drew costume. Oh, are you talking about, the, always the, really liked. Are you talking about the glasses one that she was rocking? The one, the one with the black, the black one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Well, so, I, I, do, I did miss that, the classic suit, too. Yeah, so it's back, and uh, she's, like, happy and stuff, and she's hanging out with her kid and her, and her boyfriend, and... They go on a date, and it's very Spider-Man, this one, where it's like they go on a date, but it's interrupted by a heist, and she has to get in the costume. He's like, I need to talk to you about something, and she keeps putting it off, being like, oh, yeah, we'll talk later, we'll talk later, and we find out in the last issue, he's going to propose. Aw, damn. So, (laughs) so, but she keeps putting him off, so now he's, like, sad. So, I'm really, really enjoying this book. It's it's, it's, even want to marry her? Like, you better, you better. (laughs) It's fucking Jessica (laughs) Drew. Yeah. Uh, my other solo book is Star Wars Dr. Afra, number nine. Um, written by Alyssa Wong, pencil by Mikyu Jung, uh, inked by Victor Olazaba, and colored by Rochelle Rosenberg with Joe Caramagna doing the lettering. Um, I've enjoyed Dr. Afra to this point. I think this is when it's really taking off for me. This arc is the one that I'm really latching onto and loving. Um, it's actually developed. Well, it's not that I think I think I got dropped in really deep in the first arc. There were a lot of characters, mm-hmm. and the the cast is a lot trimmer. Okay, and also I don't know. I just I just like it. It's a lot more Afra, like her being herself. I so, um, but basically, yeah, there's this whole race to find this new in, or this ancient uh, spaceship engine that lets you do all the crazy things I talked about before, like dropping out of light speed in a planet's atmosphere, things like that. Ooh, yeah. Uh, which would basically change the war. And this takes place before Jedi. Oh, okay. And by that, I mean before Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So the Empire is still a thing in this. So the Empire is trying to get their hands on it. Oh, and God. If we were start referring to Jedi for The Last Jedi, I'll... God, fuck no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, wait, did I say The Last Jedi? No, 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 no. You did it, but I'm just saying... Cause we have, if, I, I meant Return of the Jedi. If we start yeah, clarifying sorry. as, like, I watched Jedi, and because people are, start, are starting to refer to it for The Last Jedi, uh-uh. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I made that clarification to make, make sure you knew I meant not before Jedi existed. Oh, okay, <laughs> like... <laughs> okay. See, I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. <laughs> I would just say the sequel trilogy. So... <laughs> Um, and shut up! I like the sequel trilogy. So, anyways, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's 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 once again a heist, you know, because she is basically space Asian lesbian Indiana Jones, yeah. which is just a bunch of great adjectives for with going in front of Indiana Jones. Really enjoying it. Lots of fun characters. I'm really starting to love Just Lucky, which that's his name, Just Lucky. He's really becoming a good character, and I'm really enjoying him. So, yeah, 
definitely pick it up. It's totally worth a pickup. Now, the rest of these we share. And we will not take too long, I promise. Hmm. Uh, Champions, number six. Ooh, drawn by Danny, or no, written by Danny Lore, making their debut on Champions. Yeah. I love Danny Lore, so I'm very excited. Artist by Luci- is Luciano Vecchio, colored by Federico Blee, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, this is the only cover they had available, and it's the Heroes Reborn Juggernaut cover. Oh, I see. And I'm like, what? Did you get the cover A? Because I'd like to see what it looks like. Ah, oh, yeah, that's so cool. Really cool. <laughs> Isn't that so, like how Nova is just like the only one that's actually looking forward? Everybody's like, cool pose, but yeah. Nova is just like cool enough to look forward. Yeah. Oh, no, who cool. is it? No, it's Riri. But, but it's all about Riri. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, this is post uh, outlawed, mm-hmm. even though the law is still in effect. And they're just trying to find their role, and it's building up to a conflict with, um, with Roxxon. And Roxxon's in kind of like damage control, uh, and they're trying to keep make sure that they, you know, people um, that basically they recover from their horrible uh, re-education camps, which only in America can you recover from a re-education camp. Yeah, but but yeah, great. Um, but no, I'm really enjoying the book. Um, I love the five characters that we're focusing on. I love that some of the other champions cycle in and out every once in a while. Uh, just maybe to make a little bit, bit of appearance and stuff because there's so many of them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, which is a good thing. I like that we can have like an actual roster. Yeah. So like Snowguard shows up for like two pages in this. Yeah. You know, things like that. So, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm very excited about the new arc. It is them against Roxxon. Mm-hmm. And we already got a tease that uh, Nova and Miles are going to go undercover with Roxxon as interns, which I think is yeah. pretty dope. So uh, anything else about it? No, I just enjoyed it coming back to it. Like, yeah, post outlawed, but we're still dealing with it. I like that this one, this one was re re focused. At least, like with her being like, yeah, this shit isn't straight. Still, like, we're just if anything, we're falling in. We're falling into the steps of the whole reason why we left the Avengers in the first place and wanted to start Champions. And it's like she's got a point. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, next up, the Eternals number four. Written by Karen Gillan, drawn by Asad Ribic, colored by Matt Wilson, lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, so, with Eternals, I like to always kick it to Josue first and see what he thinks. Uh, yeah, another one. I was like, God, I need, I need to just like, I did buy the uh, game in Eternals book. I need to fucking get on it so I can actually just understand a little bit of some of like some backstories here and there. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's still like, holy shit, I'm just like reading, like, I'm just following the fucking pages and panels and just like, I guess, like piecing what they what they tell me what what, what had happened. But still, again, like, but the reason why I'm I'm staying on this book is just like Assad Ribic, like that dude can just draw my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite Thanos. He just gets his face right. He just gets his stature just right. It's I, I, I love Ribic's Thanos, but still. And also with uh, was it Cersei? God. Yeah, I was gonna say it was a Cersei book. It was like even if she wasn't in the whole thing, she was great in it. Damn it! Like, what does she see in Tony? Like, can she see me like that? Like, fuck. she doesn't. She doesn't see it in Tony. He's just convenient. That's the best part. <laughs> can I be convenient for Cersei? <laughs> like, think about it. If you're a hot chick and you want to get information on one of the most powerful superheroes on the planet, Tony's the one you aim for. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna seduce Captain America. You know what I mean? You're not gonna seduce <laughs> Mister Fantastic. You know, you're like, hey, I'm moderately attractive, and Tony's like, fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> like, so yeah, no, but it's, it's still like the whole like the backstory with like 
with Druig and was it with the cons and mm-hmm. but yeah but then coming back into, into like the actual climax of this issue with like with Thanos and coming into like that he was able to teleport into a place that they weren't the you really can't and yeah like now there's the whole other mystery of like yeah with like the regenerate the regeneration like machine and now this 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 thing can still happen and then of course like the cliffhanger with like i knew that drew was still up to up to something he like, don't know much about the eternals <laughs> well the best part is is he's still the crafty bad guy without being the one that thanos is actually working with yeah so we, we still got the mystery going while he can still maintain his character <laughs> so yep i'm really liking it uh cannot wait for the movie oh although man. I mean, like, I'm really excited about it, but I mean, to be frank, and I guess we should have talked about this at the beginning. That fucking Shang Chi trailer, bro. Ooh, yeah. I guess I guess news. There was news. <laughs> Holy Dude, shit! Fucking like the the pop into like the scissor kick, like oh god, what a sweet move! And it's just like, how long is this bus scene gonna take? I was like, I can't wait for it. <laughs> it could be the entire movie. I don't care. Um, it's just I'm just so excited for that. So, but we won't talk about that. We'll talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving on. Wait, where, do you, oh, where do you think this like Eternals book is kind of going? Like kind of four four issues in, and we're kind of like going from like character to character. The only thing we kind of really have like a following is like the kind of the stupid sea sea uh, story of Icarus just like doing nothing but watching that kid. I don't know. Yeah, it seems kind of big, and and the and the, and the infomercials like keep getting bigger of like the history of like, and then like the, the the list of everybody in that other issue. Yeah, Kieran is just like painting something big here, and I'm glad that he got paired up with uh, again Asad Ribic. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it, and the um, the cynic in me knows if there's going to be a big reveal, it's probably going to be somebody that's going to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can safely say it's not Thena or Icarus. It's probably not Sprite. Um, because Sprite would be too obvious. We know it's not Droog. It's probably not Cersei. We are going to see Gilgamesh soon. Gilgamesh was an Avenger for a while, by the okay. way. The only ones that were ever Avengers were Gilgamesh and Cersei. So, um, maybe... Maybe Makari, because we haven't seen Makari yet. But Makari's like the Flash. Like <laughs> Makari's a good person, so I don't. I, it'd be weird. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So, all right. Moving on to Black Knight: Curse of the Ebony Blade, number two. Oh God! Show me your cover. Oh right, yeah, cover A. Pulling the sword. I picked this one up <sighs> nice. because that told me exactly what I needed to know about this issue. <laughs> So only for th- didn't swear enough. Oh, uh, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So written by Sizeberger and Sergio Davia, uh, inked by Sean Parsons, colored by Reef Prianto and lettered by Corey Petit. So when we last checked in, Dane Whitten, Black Knight, J- Whitman, excuse me, just came back to life <laughs> and he's trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. Uh, we get a tease that somebody is using bla- blood magic and it's going on. I love that Dane is sitting there calmly having dinner with the girl. Yeah. And then just freaks the fuck out. <laughs> that his hand like, just keeps pouring and not stopping. Yeah. It's just wonderful. So it's like, how are we not freaking out? Like, it's just great. Um, and I like that he's like, let's not tell them I'm back to life. You know, make oh, them yeah. miss me a little more. <laughs> like, you shit. 
Um, I love that Percy comes in because Percy's hilarious. Percival is the original Black Knight, the one that um, mm. uh, Dane is descended from. So he's, he comes in as a ghost to to uh, coach him, I guess. Um, and I'm really loving this arc already because they're setting up what's going on. And it's all about the uh, the things that Percy, when he was uh, becoming the Black Knight, when he uh, Merlin took him and had him uh, cast four items, forge uh, four items, a sword, a shield, a chalice, and a staff. And they're all made out of the black metal. And first of all, I love the humor of Merlin being like, you must choose only one, Sir Percy. And I bid thee think carefully upon the, and he like, the sword. sword. I want the sword. Sword, please. Thank you. The sword. <laughs> like, I was like, yes. Merlin's like, <laughs> like fucking knights, man. Um, but basically what we discover, the arc that we're going to be having is somebody in the present is trying to gather all the, the artifacts that were forged at that time, which is really cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, somebody that we were kind of led to believe might have been the bad guy, but we realize is actually someone else investigating it, jumps him in a full motorcycle suit, reveals, removes the helmet, and that describes my cover, which is Elsa Bloodstone. <laughs> yeah. Love Elsa Bloodstone. Love so, so she shows up, and, she, and uh, you, you have to know that when he said, hey, look, we're both Avengers, Avengers adjacent, you know I love that shit. So... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, basically he's trying to figure this out and she's going to be helping him whether he likes it or not. And then they figure out who it was in the end. They're like, who's the bad guy? It's like, uh, you know, who are you guys talking about? It's like, it's always him. It's always him. Like it's Mordred. It's always Mordred. (laughs) So of course it's Mordred. And, uh, that's exciting. Uh, I got two Arthurian legend comics going on at the same time and I could not be more excited about that. So I love it. Um, so I'm assuming you liked it too. I did. Uh, I will. I will. I will be knocking points for Elsa Bloodstone not swearing. Not swearing at all. Like not even one. <laughs> like bleeped out word. Like she's supposed to be swearing. Like it's one of the reasons why give, I fucking love her. Give it a few issues. She didn't get too much dialogue in this book. So Ex- she doesn't get dialogue anywhere because she's hardly in any book. But when she is, she's constantly swearing. I know. <laughs> we'll get it. I'm sure. So. I need it. <laughs> Um, that takes us to another, or uh, a number one, our first number one for Marvel for the week. Yes. We are going to start with the Mighty Valkyries, number one. Did you get another variant? Uh, no, I got a cover one, actually. Nice. Uh, I saw yours, though. <laughs> so, I got the, yeah, same one. Oh, I thought you got a, oh, no, I'm thinking of Women of Marvel. We'll yes. talk about that. Oh, my God. Okay. So, there's two stories in this one, the Jane story and the new Valkyrie story. <sighs> I, I love it so much. The Jane story is written by Jason Aaron and Torin Gronbeck, drawn by Mattia uh, Iolis. There we go. The new Valkyrie story is written by Torin Gronbeck and drawn by Erica de Urso, colored by Marcio Meniz, and Josebino does the lettering for both. So the first story is absolutely great, and it's about Jane as Valkyrie, and it goes into her life working in the hospital. There's a great scene with her and Doctor Strange that's really funny. Um... And yeah, it's really cool. She gets seduced by this Norwegian like hottie, <laughs> which is just excellent. And she's like, in the end, she's like, you want to go back to, let's go somewhere private. And he's like, sure, let's go. <laughs> and they go outside. She pulls a knife. She's like, Loki. And he's like, how did you know it was me? 
<laughs> like so like, it's her it, lucky. Like, you made him too perfect basically <laughs> and she said you have a tell it's um what was it godlike insufferableness <laughs> you try too hard <laughs> like, um oh, yeah, so, so we find out hold on that, oh, page, good? that page with hella damn does she look fucking awesome Ooh, oh yeah she, totally. damn would she look awesome so one of the one of the arcs thing is that uh fenris Fenris's children are loose in New York City and they're trying to get Loki. So that's what they're fighting. Loki gives her the chain uh, to chain them up, uh, Glipnir, which is the one that chained up uh, Fenris in Norse mythology. So that's cool. Mm. And then we also get a look at Hati, which is the the wolf god. Yeah. Um, and Hati is cool. It's one of my one of my more lesser known but really fun Norse characters in mythology. Nice. Uh, to the point that my friend who wrote a werewolf character at one point named it Hati based on him. So yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, so it's really cool. Um and then okay, the first story is great. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But 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 something major happens in the last <laughs> in the second story for New Valkyrie where she pays a lot of money to go see a uh, prophet who answers any questions that you ask and she goes for basically it's like a tv show it's almost like the fucking the guy that talks to ghosts kind of shit <laughs> and she walks up and she says tell me what is my name and why am i here and everybody's everybody's annoyed that she's asked two questions but the prophet realizes like kind of figure out who she is he's like you're her because you made a promise to a woman you loved and you know your name is known to no living thing lost in time and death I'm the one you seek. I'm Kavasir, and your name, your name is Runa. Runa, it's over. I don't have to call her Tessa Thompson Valkyrie anymore. It's such a great. We name. have a name. It's a great name. Yeah, I loved. It. I love that name so much. Yeah, and so she's basically going to break the Oracle out. So, mm-hmm. yep, pretty great. I'm excited about that. So, uh, hopefully, the two of them come together. And handle everything together. I think we need to get the Runa story to get her past revealed a bit more before they actually start working together. Yeah, so. I thought they were going to make us like wait on it for a while for like another two issues, maybe. Me too. I was <laughs> going to complain every issue, but <laughs> uh, but no. In all seriousness, I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Next up, a Women of Marvel number one. So this is a this is another series of stories, um, all about the women of Marvel. And so there's a, m- a bunch of small stories in here. So first of all, this way, those are the best ones. Yeah. First of all, so what cover did you get? I got the super dope magic one. Nice, nice. I'm looking to see if my artist is even listed in the back or anything like that. Nope, they don't have the right covers. I got this one. Yeah, I that's the that's the first one I saw. It was really cool, and then I kept looking at the other ones. I want to see like the cover A, and it's like I should just get a cover A because it is like it's gonna be an anthology book anyway. But then yeah. I saw the magic one, and I started looking at her, and it's like they always draw magic as like really skinny, really petite, even though she can like actually kick ass. But then you just look at those arms, yeah. You just look at those thighs and how like this is just it's just a muscle magic. And I was like, okay, I'm getting this one. She looks fucking awesome. Yeah. So there's so many stories in here. What I want to do is I want to do quick fire with you. Yeah. We're not going to talk too much about any one story. We'll give our quick impressions. I do want to run the creative teams down, though, as we go. So okay. first thing I want to talk about, the introduction by Louise Simonson. Oh, my Did God. You read it? So fucking good, too. 
I almost cried again. Dude. <laughs> Every time she does something, I want to cry because I just love her so much. So, um, all right. So first story. We had a Lady Death Strike story called Manny because she gets a manicure <laughs> by Mariko Tamaki and Peach Momoko, and I want to see them do more shit together. Adorable, I loved it. It was great, right? Especially again, now, now, just I need to get my keys out, and all the nails are just bedazzled. Great. <laughs> Operation Spyglass, a Peggy Carter story in the alternate universe where she is Captain Amer- or she's Captain Britain, I guess technically, by Elsa Shonson, uh, Naomi Franquise, and Brittany Pier. What do you think? Uh, really cool. The the end question mark makes me wonder if they'll continue it in the Marvel's What If, even though it's supposed to be part of the MCU What If, but it's also like yeah. the same thing anyway. It's also one of the longer stories yeah. in this. So, um, well, you know I loved this one, but <laughs> she's got the look with Mariko Tamaki and Nina Vakueva, uh, Emma Frost one page where she decides she doesn't have to dress up because she's psychic and she can make people think that she's dressed up. <laughs> I've known that she can do this from Old Man Logan when yeah. when she actually looks like aged but still fabulous and, and she, but she still says like Logan how like I'm making you I make you think like you what you I make you think what you think you're looking at how do you think I really like how do you old do you think I really look at or something like that and yeah like the fact that she's just been doing this her whole life is yeah believable yeah uh Cretaceous flirtations <laughs> uh Natasha Altarici Joanna Estep and Irma Nivelle uh this is Rogue and a young Rogue and Mystique and Mystique basically is watching Rogue to make sure you know she's checking out a boy. What do you think? Uh, you do realize that it was uh, Laura Dern and and, and Sam Neill, right? Fucking hell! I just did. <laughs> I was like, "This is so fucking great." They're in Jurassic Park. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice it was Laura Dern. That's great. Oh god, uh, I really enjoyed it though. I like little yeah, fun I things it was like hilarious this. Just because of that, yeah. Okay, this one caught me off guard how much I loved it. Good Hair by Marika Tamaki, Rachel Stott, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, Medusa is trying to work and her hair is in the way. <laughs> and she reveals the ultimate power of every woman knows is a scrunchie. Yep. And she uses a scrunchie to tie it up. Uh, my favorite bit about this is all the shit in her hair in the first two panels. <laughs> the cat? <laughs> There's an actual cat in her hair. Like, I just, that's so great. Uh, um, this one was my favorite. <laughs> just because yeah. Yeah, it's velvet. Yeah, I don't like them either, but they're effective. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, relatable. Yeah, I, I hear you. I had long hair too. So. <laughs> uh, Saturday Morning in Harlem by Antul Kazama and Ruth Redman. Um, this one is Misty Night, and it is another one of the longer ones. Where she's backed up by the Daughters of Liberty, mm-hmm. including Echo, and I love Echo, so like, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Who's I, I really right now? Uh, I don't know who that's supposed to be. Yeah, like, they, don't, they don't show it, but it's like I, I didn't know that that happened. Yeah, me neither. So then, um, Wild Roy, no wait, <laughs> yeah, it's next. Wild Rhino Chase, uh, Nadia Shamas, Scotter Partridge, Triona Farrell, and it is a She-Hulk story. I loved this one. This is probably my favorite. Oh, nice! Really? If I had to, probably if I had to pick, this would be my favorite. Um, where She Hulk fights Rhino in a museum. I like the little girl, like She Hulk, and I love the way they draw She Hulk, where she's actually big. Mm-hmm. You know, like not skinny but strong. Like ugh, yeah. I hate that look. So yeah. Uh, Water when needs watering by Mariko Tamaki, Marika Cresta, and Rochelle Rosenberg. <laughs> Jean Grey tries to keep a plan alive, and it's just so bad at it. <laughs> It's just incredibly bad at it. 
Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to withdraw my She-Hulk comment. It's not my favorite. Because we're moving on to Give a Cat a Bone. Oh, my God. Sophie Campbell, Eleonora Carlini, and Triona Farrell. Bone is going to be uh, in the X-Men. Or Marrow's going to be in the X-Men. I'm calling it. <laughs> so, Marrow and Farrell on Krakoa. Farrell just got brought back to life, which is interesting because I think last time we saw her, she was a bad guy. Hmm. Um, but basically, they're they're basically roommates and they don't get along and they have a fist fight. And then later people are making fun of Farrell and Marrow finds out, yeah, she's a former Morlock just like you. And she's like, get the fuck off her. She's my friend now, basically. <laughs> so uh, I really, that's probably my favorite. I love that when she so. just like, when Marrow <laughs> Farrell's out, I like that she gets like that bone structure differently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <sighs> she's got, they did. Th- that was a change they made. I think Sage awakened her, secondary mutation nice because she used to be able to just pull out bone knives basically okay but now she like hulks out basically with bones so yeah she's gotta be in the x-men gotta be i love her she needs to be in something so um the goddess of death sleeps tonight mariko tamaki june brigman roy richardson rochelle rosenberg this is a one-page story where hella reads about a weighted blanket and then just has fenrir lay on her to keep her warm (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like yes that's good uh, then we get uh, Date Night with Zoraida Cordova, Maria Frelick, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, this is a Gamora story where she poses in a bachelorette kind of style thing in order to catch a bad guy, basically. So I like that they kind of purposely also made him look. Um, it was like a, a douchey version of Star-Lord. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it was like the, the color scheme. He had blonde hair and just happened to have a beard, but just not the same color as a blonde. But yeah. Yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed that. Oh, it was, so it was fun. a lot of fun. Yeah, it wasn't too serious. Like you know, it was it was just a lot oh, of fun. Like when the Medusa was my favorite. Fuck yeah, I'm just gonna enjoy the ride. It's, and and again, so I, I want to bring this up before before we moved on. The Louis Simonson been in the in the beginning. Just again, like the reason, like one of the like at least part of the part of why I got happened on Twitter from the last time <laughs> is. How awesome is she that she just gave a little excerpt of why she just happens to be important to Marvel and why they chose her to do the introduction? Because even Marvel was like, yo, you didn't do enough. Let us, like the little editor's note at the bottom. Hey, Lou Simonson is also in char- uh, was also in charge of X-Factor, New Mutants, and Superman, the Man of Steel. Because like she mm-hmm. was just, she's just too awesome, too fucking uh, good to just like say why she was important. She just wanted to give a shout out to everything else that was that was going on, so... She shout talked out. about the other women, the women that came slightly exactly. before her. So, she out. wasn't just like, oh, this is what I did. She literally I was like, no. I made Power Pack. It was cool. And that was it. But it was just like, I mean, I would. <laughs> she didn't... You're the queen of comics, yeah, Louise. Exactly. She didn't Come on, Wheezy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so shout out to yeah. Miss Simonson for just being super fucking badass. She's the best. So that brings us to our X Men books of the week. Oh, baby. X Force, number 19. Nice. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Gary Brown, colored by Guru, and letter by Joe Caramagna. Really cool cover. Uh, yeah, really cool cover. I'm really digging it. So, um, this is the continuing story of Quentin Quire, and man, has he just grown in two years? Okay, wait. <laughs> Cyclops is sleeping mask of of. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you, because I, I when I saw it, I'm like, well, I'm bringing that up, and then I forgot, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> like it's just amazing um just so good uh yeah i i really like quentin's um uh 
glasses that he makes for himself. Oh, hell yeah. That's a really cool move. And basically, they're trying to, to find out what's going on, like who's corrupting all, all the minds of the X-Men and things like that. And it's what we gathered. It was the clone of Quentin Quire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has none of Quentin's like control or training or anything like that. So he's just raw psychic force, basically. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just really cool. It's a really great action scene. And they end up, you know, obviously saving the day in the end and stopping him. Quentin ends up winning in the head, like, which really is awesome. Yeah. So. And then we get to see Quentin and Sophie kiss, and that's nice, and everything seems to be okay. Um, obviously, these Xeno will come back, you know, because they keep doing this shit, but <laughs> yeah. I really loved um, Sage, because I fucking love Sage, and not enough people like Sage, <laughs> because she was... Uh, she was obviously introduced way back in the Claremont run way back in the day as Tessa. Okay. But uh, she was introduced as Sage during Extreme X-Men, which a lot of people shit on, but was actually one of my favorite X-Men runs ever. Oh, yeah. Um, with uh, where they introduced Thunderbird, the one from India. I mean, uh, and Gay Wolverine, right? Huh? Was that the... Was, is, was Extreme X-Men the Gay Wolverine with Hercules? No. What bit is that? And Wolverine has like the gold claws. I think you're talking about Exiles. Is it? Okay, I'll figure it's, it out. Uh, Exiles is all alternate reality. Okay, and it was, but okay. No, Extreme X-Men is in X-Men. It, it was one of the X-Men arcs, nice. and um, uh, it had Beast and Sage and Storm, and I want to say Rogue and Gambit, but I can't remember off the top of my head. And then they introduced Thunderbird, Neil Shara, who is like a flame-controlling mutant from India. Yeah, uh, and then they introduce brother and sisters, Slipstream and Lifeguard, who are low key two of my favorite mutants in Marvel, and they've done nothing with because the fans hated them. Uh. I don't know what happened, but the fans just fucking hated them, and I love them because you find out later on that they are um, they are um, Shiar. They're actually Shiar blooded. Oh, and no one knows, so they're half human, half Shiar. And it's this whole arc, and then it got dropped because everybody hated it. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? So, anyways, but Sage is great. Sage one of one of her biggest things is she can activate secondary mutations. So if you're not if you have a latent secondary mutation, she can actually make it happen. That's why Beast became a cat beast instead of a monkey beast. Well, she she's fucking awesome then. <laughs> she's great. She's she's so great, and and yeah, oh, it's just such a great character. Um, all right, next one, Sword number five. Sword. Uh, written by Al Ewing, drawn by Valeria Shiti, colored by Marta Gracia, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, so this is the immediate aftermath of King of Black. And I had a worry as this started, yeah. because Fabian Cortez is on the cover. Uh-huh. And they're like, we need to meet with Fabian Cortez. He saved the day. And I'm like... <laughs> Fuck you, Fabian Cortez, my least favorite mutant. <laughs> and this dumbass, this fucking monumental dumbass, <laughs> Fabian Cortez, he gets resurrected. And first of all, Jean Grey has no respect for him whatsoever. Doesn't give him clothes. He's butt naked. He's like, can I get a shower? She's like, nah. And then he's like, isn't there like the, the ceremony, the reaffirmation, the crowd <laughs> shouting my name? She's like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Come on, let's go talk to the council. She drags him from the council, butt naked. And then Peeper shows up and everybody's like, Peeper! Like like it's Norm from Cheers. Like it was just great. They're like, Peeper! And Magneto's like, there's my best friend. (laughs) Cortez is like, what the fuck? Magneto's (laughs) whole demeanor 
he just becomes this whole other person as soon as Peeper shows up. I love it. It's, ha- it's happened twice, like the in the beginning of Sword, yeah, yeah. now again. And it's like, this is my favorite Magneto. I, I love when he's like all serious and a good guy and just like holier mm-hmm. than thou. But like, this is my favorite Magneto and I want a run. <laughs> I want a fucking buddy cop run of Peepers and Magneto going around Krakoa. Yeah. So basically, Fabian has a chance to speak in front of the council. And his pitch is... <laughs> We should be able to murder human beings. <laughs> Basically, he spent several pages making this argument, and they're all like, "Denied." Next, <laughs> basically, because it's a stupid fucking prospect. And basically, they talk about you know, like you know, when we killed to defend ourselves, that's fine. It's like, but murder is bad. You understand that, right? You asshole. Like. And the best part is, you know, Fabian Cortez is like, they just don't like me. (laughs) (laughs) What's his power? Uh, He can generate energy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, uh, he's very, it was very important. So he's basically like, I'm the future of Krakoa. You need me. I know that you need me up in the sword thing. Like I can't, you know, it can't work without me. You need me to generate energy. (laughs) And then shit on Fabian day. Because Cora of the Burning Heart from Erico shows up, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I got your power, by the way." <laughs> she's like, "She's like, I'll do it from now on." He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so basically, he gets replaced, and then the meeting's adjourned, and Fabian's standing there naked as they all walk off. Excellent. Yeah. Also, I love that they that Charles and Amelia vote or oh, like man. flirting again. I loved that relationship. That was fun. So no, it was uh, and I go for it. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I mean, I was just gonna uh, talk about a little bit about about the book if you want to finish up. I was just gonna say, and in the be- the background of all this was the Snark War, where the mm. the Snark people are fighting to uh, see who the new leader is gonna be, and we find out that Sword is influencing which one's gonna win, so that the uh, winner would owe them, and then also because the Snark War, you know, there's a lot of collateral damage, so it's better to like just end it as quickly as possible and save as many lives as possible. So, hmm. but it also involves assassinating people, which it's kind of like, uh, and then answer, it goes into a bunch of questions of like, when we say kill no man, does that include aliens? You know, right. Like, it's like, like we're still doing clandestine shit, which is still like in the name of, and which is it's still the same. So, you know, the, the part that I really liked again, like going off of peepers, I like that peepers was just like bringing up the point. It's like, so Cortez, like, what is your mutant name? The whole point is like either to like, you're gonna make him like drag him down the mud more, or just like to have that moment where it's like, well, at least I look better than you now, regardless for this point. But still, it was still, I was like, it was an important question to ask. And then Cortez just being like, no, nah, fuck the shit. I am, I am Cortez. Like, but anyway, another thing I wanna know is what goes in the deciding process, or is it really, or is, is it, is it Hickman just being like, yeah, costumes don't matter. It's, it's open range. You can just go, go with whatever costumes you want like, as, as you're writing the book. Cause, Jean has gone through like a cycle of all of her suits, and this one was like was one of the newest ones. And then Magneto, he's been killing it with the white suit, and now he goes back to retro villain, like purple red. As like, I want to know what if there's like a deciding process, like to what colors or what suits that they get to use. I think when it's like when there's things that are timely with each other, maybe. Mm-hmm. But this isn't nailed down like the same day as something else. I don't think it really matters yeah. to be honest. So yeah all right which things this brings us to our last book which is a combination of several things we love <laughs> and number one and an x-men book yeah and josue i had to get to 
I got A. I got B. <laughs> nice. And I got C. Ooh, that was a good one too. The way of X, number one. <laughs> now here's the thing. We're gonna talk about this book. But it's gonna be hard. <laughs> so written by Seisper, artist is Bob Quinn, coloring by uh Java Tartelia, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So this book centers around Nightcrawler and his unease about what's going on in the world of X-Men. And um, obviously he's always been a religious person. And a lot of this is starting to like creep into his conscience, if you will. Yeah. And um, we see him on a mission right off the bat. And I loved it because. Uh, Did you? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's with two of my favorite x-men period yeah i figured and several characters that don't get enough love uh two of my favorite x-men period are blink yep and loa yeah loa baby um <laughs> uh, yeah probably my favorite x-men that gets no love that was some um, love, yeah also dj mm-hmm. are you intrigued by dj yet <laughs> yeah. like dj has different powers depending on what music he listens to just so you guys know so it's really cool so he's like a, he's like desperately trying to switch to, 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 to Tchaikovsky so he can generate like shields and stuff like that so um also pixie who is great so mm-hmm. uh, really great story they go on a mission and there's like this whole thing where they're like basically teasing pixie because she hasn't died and been resurrected yet but almost like she's a virgin basically yeah which is really weird and twisted i know it, it, yeah this book was was very interesting yeah and then in the mission to save everybody she sacrifices herself and dies and kurt's like whoa no and they're like no it's fine she'll come back and this is the first time i've been kind of like they are being awfully cavalier about this resurrection thing you know like mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting and kurt and it's obvious why kurt is uncomfortable with it and uh as we go through it he talks to various people in different parts about it about what's going on and stuff. He, he witnesses Exodus, giving one of his little sermons, you know, brain, uh, like brainwashing the children basically against Wanda. And um, <laughs> yeah, and like, he runs in it. I didn't know oh, that was going to be a, I didn't know that was going to be a thing before every crucible. We're just like, let's all just gather around and talk shit about Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to see Doctor Nemesis, who I love again. So got to see him. Find out he's the one that came up with the medicines and he's growing mushrooms on his head. Dude, so that was a trip. <laughs> then we get to see the crucible. Now, this is a new mutant that we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And they had run into Kurt previously it, earlier in the issue. It was like, please help me. I'm lost. And Kurt's like, oh, go over there. They'll talk to you and leaves. Well, what he found out is that this person wanted to face Kurt in the crucible because he's one of the gentle ones. And the fact that he wouldn't actually hurt them, he wouldn't torture them, he would just make it as painless as possible. Then you find out when the Crucible happens, this person is has to fight Magneto. And they're basically come face-to-face with Kurt the entire time. And it's just like, you know, you why, why'd you send me away? And of course, Kurt has really horrible Catholic guilt about it. And that person gets reborn, and they get their powers back. And it's just really interesting. And throughout this entire thing... Um, there are people talking about a creature in the background that's like like a boogeyman, basically, in Krakoa. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it's called the Patchwork Man. And I was kind of like, "Fuck, who's this going to be?" And I was trying to figure it out. And Xavier basically asked Kurt to try to figure out what's going on here. He's like, "Because basically, you're the nicest one of all of us." <laughs> and um, it ends with Kurt at Blindfold's grave. And we know that the X-Men don't allow precogs anymore. Yeah. They won't resurrect destiny. Well, Blindfold's dead. I don't remember Blindfold dying. And so they're basically saying that she killed herself. And I'm like, did she? Because it would ruin a lot of plans if she was alive. Mm -hmm. But maybe she did kill herself because she saw the future and realized someone was going to kill her if she didn't. Yeah. So this is the first time we're getting a real something dark is going on in the X-Men vibe, which me and Josue have been kind of hinting at for since this all happened, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Nightcrawler's at her grave, and he gets jumped by none other than Legion. Yeah. Uh, this is a great book. I am hooked 100%. It was so philosophical. Yes. And made made me think way too much. <laughs> like, oh, dude, I mean, it was just like, like a, multiple questions that we just been we've been waiting on and we've been asking and it was just like or they like been interested on like they they tease like or occurs like oh start my own religion and you realize like fuck that's a lot of pressure it's not as easy as just saying i'm gonna start a new mutant religion and then we were talking about well how is all of this new religion aspect of of mutant culture affecting kurt and it's like cool we get an update on that and then how mm-hmm. brutal the crucible is and that's its own Thing and issue as, as awesome as it was uh with arrow but it's still still pretty brutal and it's like yes yeah, it's, it's pretty it's a pretty heavy to- to- topic and i just love that it was still it was still going to be a very nightcrawler book because he's really been one of the few that has just been like we have we haven't it hasn't been like a huge spotlight on him and especially yeah get like a huge update on everything that's been happening it's like we will finally get like an insight on him and yeah it's just been just getting really weird yeah, and I hope it leads to, again, more highlights of X-Men that aren't being used in other yeah. books. Because there's so many of them now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between this and X-Corp, because oh, yeah. X-Corp, we found out that uh, we already knew that Monet and Angel are going to be involved, but apparently Madrox is going to be majorly involved. So. Oh, no shit, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, one of the covers was just revealed, and it's Madrox all over it. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I was kind of like, yes, <laughs> like that's my boy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, every X Men could probably have a solo book, and I'd probably read every one of them. So, oh, at the, around <laughs> that's this, how much of an addict I am. At <laughs> so, this point, this era of X Men, fuck yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really close to finishing my pieces of like of like the first wave of of Hawksbox or of Dawn of X. Oh yeah, I'm like of Dawn of X. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to just have this whole run of, of X books as well. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's everything we got. Hostway, you have anything else before we go? Um, apparently, Amelia Clark is going to be a super scroll, uh, a, a scroll, but that's it. We don't even know if she's going to be a scroll. They <laughs> yeah. haven't confirmed anything. I people. Are... <laughs> I only, saw people. I saw people that. reporting with. Uh, she has joined the cast, and then I'd read the article and be like, "Rumors say," and I'm like, "Yeah." And that's, that's, that's what I yeah. said at the end. I didn't want to even bring it up in the beginning. Yeah, it's just kind of it is what it is. So, um, but yeah, um, pretty excited. Uh, if you have not seen the Shang Chi trailer, please watch it. Watch it like six hundred times. Yes, the song is great, uh, and apparently it's an unreleased song. It's an original song, so it'll be released on the soundtrack. 
Nice. And I really enjoyed it. So oh, it was awesome. Yeah. I keep watching it over and over. And somebody made a good point on, on Twitter where it's just like, thank God. Like, or the fact that it was so good that they didn't have to have a splashy cameo, MCU cameo to just reel you yep. in. It was just good on its own. Yep. Yeah. Simi Liu is a, is a legend. He's going to be such a star. I'm very excited. I'm so excited for this movie. <laughs> Yep. So thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, you can check us out on social media at WHI Podcast. Uh, you can check me out at WHI Podcast uh, Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, Josue at Josue Reads Josue. Check out our partner show, Jukebox Vertigo, where we build a playlist every two weeks based on randomized categories. Our next one is Songs You Had to Shazam or SoundCloud or whatever you use. Uh, I use Shazam. Uh, so it should be a really great one and I'm really excited to get to it and uh, keep an eye out on the Twitter for that which is at Jukebox Vertigo as well uh, we will be posting things asking you questions, we want your guys' opinions and things like that so make sure to give us a follow uh, but as always we thank you for joining us on this new comic book day review and don't forget to geek out